Merry Christmas. I hope you are all enjoying some time off from work. I hope you're all having visits with family and friends, eating delicious food that is entirely bad for you, and experiencing moments of gratitude and peace amid all the bustle. This afternoon at 4 p.m., we had our Christmas Eve children's service with an interactive sermon for the kids and a hopeful message of the magic of Christmas for them to take home for the holidays. Tonight, however, it's the adult Christmas Eve Mass, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. We're going to take a peek behind the curtain of that magical Christmas idea to see how hard-won and serious this Christmas joy really is. Because only then can we understand why it should mean anything to us here tonight in Los Gatos, California, near the end of the year 2017, near what sometimes feels like the end of the world. The world is a mess, and despair is daily on the tips of our tongues. Just last night at a party, a friend confessed to feeling so much anxiety these days that she's had to stop reading and listening to the news. North Korea, terrorists, natural disasters, climate change. Laws that will, among other things, make it very hard for any wayfaring family from another land to find shelter at an innkeeper's stable, much less in a home of their own. And yet, here we are, gathered in this church, with darkness pressing in on all sides. Here we are once more, singing Christmas carols and insisting on the light. That same light Isaiah proclaims in today's reading. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. That same light those wise men and shepherds followed to the manger in Bethlehem all those years ago. It is the light of hope and the belief that somehow, despite all the sorrow we know, waits just outside those church doors. Because of God's love, because it became known to us in Jesus Christ, we are going to be all right. And while that doesn't mean there will be a solution to all the world's problems by morning, I firmly believe that the joy we feel at Christmas, regardless of the sadness in the world, that joy is one of many beams of light that will guide us through these dark times and into new life. We priests are kind of stupidly hopeful that way. So when you sing these Christmas carols or hug your loved ones in the coming days, I implore you, don't do it carelessly. Listen to the words that you're singing. They speak of longing, redemption, God and sinners reconciled, love that will save us just in the nick of time. And when you spend time with family and friends, look in their eyes and know that the joy you feel and being with them at this time of year, that joy is a transgressive and a radical act. Because you are insisting with every carol, hug, unwrapped gift, 
peal of laughter and tear. In every one of these actions, you are proclaiming that light is what will win out over darkness in the end. You may or may not know this, but there are a number of classic works of art, paintings and icons, that depict a nativity scene and include in it a cross somewhere in the background. Sometimes the cross is woven into the crib in which the baby Jesus lies. There is one in the painting by Fra Filippo Lippi on the cover of your bulletins, for example, though it's pretty hard to see in this light. It's easy to see up here, though. St. <laughs> Jerome, to the left and slightly above St. Joseph, and dressed like a hermit, is holding a cross in his left hand, looking down intently at it. The symbolism clashes, crib and cross, but they make a point that even in this moment of joy at the birth of a child, of our Savior, the fact of his death is also present. But the death of Jesus Christ some 33 years later in this infant's life, his death is the portal through which we enter into salvation. Honestly, I don't know how that actually works. I only know that our faith depends on sorrow to make the joy of salvation real. It is not a cheap grace that we receive at Christmas. Our joy is hard-earned. It's rarely been easy to be a good and practicing Christian in the style of Jesus himself. So maybe the deepest joy we can have is the one that sings out despite the despair. Realizing there is death can make us embrace life that much harder. After all, some of the best Christmas carols are the ones in a minor key. There's a poem on the inside back cover of your bulletin, The Oxen by Thomas Hardy. I'm really making good use of the bulletins tonight. <laughs> it's short. I'm going to read it to you. The Oxen. Christmas Eve and twelve of the clock. Now they are all on their knees, an elder said as we sat in a flock by the embers in hearthside ease. We pictured the meek, mild creatures where they dwelt in their strawy pen. Nor did it occur to one of us there to doubt they were kneeling then. So fair a fancy few would weave in these years. Yet I feel, if someone said on Christmas Eve, come, see the oxen kneel. In the lonely barton by yonder comb, our childhood used to know, I should go with him in the gloom, hoping it might be so. Basically, it's a poem about doubt and longing to believe. Elderly men are gathered around a fire, relaxing over drinks and cigars, maybe, instead of attending Christmas Eve midnight mass. They talk about the faith of others. And the poet remembers the belief he had as a child that even the oxen kneeled before the manger where Jesus was born. Now, of course, the poet knows better than that. 
And yet there still lies a hope inside him that it might be true that the divine did come down to earth so holy and sacred that even the animals knew it. Some of you may be coming to the manger this evening with doubts and longings you cannot quite reconcile. It's all right, so long as you keep the hope that it might be so alive in your heart. Some people only come to church at Christmas and Easter. And I know some priests who grumble about that. But I see it as a wonderful thing. I see it as hope, as returning, and as longing for the divine to be born in their lives, in your lives, once more, despite the world's pull on your time and attention. So welcome, and God bless you if you are visiting tonight. I want to close with a story that I couldn't quite fit into the narrative of this sermon, but I'll tell it anyway. It's a story of gratitude. When I was little, about six years old, we lived on the south side of Chicago. This was 1972. It was Christmas Eve, and we didn't really have any money in those days for a presence in our family. But there was a fire station nearby that every year held a Christmas show, and we went. We watched holiday cartoons in some large auditorium that the firemen had rented, lots of us poorer kids. After having some cake, candy, and soda, Santa Claus suddenly appeared with a bunch of huge, black, plastic garbage bags full of presents for us. Everyone got one gift to take home and unwrap. That year, I remember, it was my only gift. And I was so grateful. I think it was a, a wind-up clown that rode around on a bicycle. And I kept it for years. Fast forward 45 years to just a few weeks ago. Carol Graham, one of our parishioners, had organized this year's giving tree, which you can still see in the back of the church. It used to have a, a bunch of tags on it, representing gifts you could buy for kids at the Santa Maria Urban Ministry in San Jose, a program run by our diocese. Church members tore off those tags, bought the gift that was requested for the kids, and brought the gift back to church. So a few weeks ago, as I was helping Carol take all of our gifts to her car so she could deliver them to Santa Maria, it suddenly hit me. Those same kids who tonight are opening the presents you bought for them, those kids are me from 45 years ago. And I never knew until today who it was that bought me that wind-up bicycle clown. It was you. So, a little late perhaps, but on behalf of myself and all the kids whose lives you brightened tonight with your gifts, thank you. You have no idea how much this might mean to a little boy or girl for whom your gift may be the only one they receive. And don't ever think that these little acts of generosity that you do in your life don't matter. They very much do matter. So 
So my wish for you this Christmas is that you will sing and eat and laugh and hug and love with the deep joy that comes from knowing how precious and rare the magic of Christmas truly is in this world that grows darker by the day. Be the light that will continue to shine as hope for others. And someday, when all our little beacons are in sync and our faith in Christ's salvation keeps them burning brightly, someday we will dispel the darkness once and for all. Amen. <clears throat>